With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Welcome, welcome everyone to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, Lessons That You Just Can't Learn in School. Every episode, we, we learn from different people, whether they're uh, new entrepreneurs, long-term entrepreneurs, people that have had multiple businesses, people that have had success in one, and people like myself that, that coach and, and support entrepreneurs and the goal is to find the really actionable nuggets, the actionable things that you can do right now in your business to pivot from where you are today, change the direction, or find where you really want to go. And I'm really excited about today's guest because we're going to talk a fair amount about that. It's not just always about the business being successful. There's so much more to being an entrepreneur and so much more to having a business and serving others. Um, and that's going to be a big topic today with today's guest. And before I introduce her, um, as always, our show is sponsored in part by uh, PowerTexting.com. It's a great platform to reach out to prospects and current clients in a quick, easy way. And PowerTexting.com gives away a free hotel stay to one listener of every show. And I'll say a little bit more about that later, but it's a pretty cool gift that they give away to all of my listeners. And I appreciate everyone listening. Um, and I also um, ask you to download my book if you're interested. If you love the podcast, you'll love the book. It is eight steps specifically about growing your business without spending money on advertising. And you can get that at freebookfromadam.com. So definitely uh, stay tuned for more on the hotel stay and download the free book if it's something that drives you. I'm looking forward to uh, the next 20, 25 minutes with my guest. She is a coach. She is a consultant. And she does a lot more than just help in driving more success. She's focused on a lot of other areas of business, especially fulfillment, which we'll dive into in a second. Carrie Walls, thanks for being with me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. And um, we'll jump into a little bit more about what you do and how you serve clients and why you serve the way you do. Uh, but as we get into that, I want to learn a little bit more about your journey toward entrepreneurship. It's a big focus of the show. Everyone has a little bit different way that they started on their, their own business and on their own path. What led you to saying, it's time to start my own business? Well, it's it's a long journey. I have both. My father was a uh, expert in marketing way back in the day, and he was one of the researchers in market research. And I used to help him a lot before 
copy machines and collating and he did research on yogurt before it was a household name and scantrons and so I grew up in that environment and had grandparents who did that as well who uh, my grandfather invented uh, the lesson plan book and tardy slips because he wanted schools to run more like business so being raised in that background had me always kind of looking that way and then I had my own business after being a a teacher and also became a coach by working in a firm that I had used for coaching and I rose from individual contributor to the CEO over time and ended up starting my business when the founder who had been stepping out and was going to sell the business kind of changed directions and came back in and so at that point that was four years ago really went off on my own to start my own coaching practice very interesting and you mentioned tardy slips and scantrons I think you just (laughs) sent like chills down my spine of (laughs) memories of eighth grade and um, let's not dig into that at the moment but uh, (laughs) there's certainly something you don't hear every day at least in uh, 2019 scantron was great with those little big things that you poked out and got all over the floor that our teachers yelled at uh, yelled at us for. So talk <laughs> a little bit about um, going from individual contributor to CEO. That's, um, you know, that's a one type of entrepreneurial path in and of itself because you go to be leading a group and you have to have leadership and you have to have a, a different visibility within your organization to take on that role. How did you transform yourself from doing the work with your colleagues to eventually leading them? Uh, that's a great question. It was over probably 14 years when I started there. And the, the founders were, were a mother-daughter team, and the mother passed away, and the daughter was running the business. So I just stepped up when it was needed. Like at first I started taking – I definitely moved more to business coaching because I'm more attuned to that. And then – I started running sales for the organization and being accountable for sales and from there got on the executive team and then eventually CEO as the founder was stepping out. So it, I was always developing myself and in that firm we had leadership uh, courses and one of the things we were talking about is collaborative leadership, how to lead colleagues, uh, not from a command control kind of mindset where there's a taskmaster at the top barking orders to everyone underneath who's the task doers. So it gave me an opportunity to actually practice leading that way. So I'm always an advocate of practicing what I preach. So I can't say this is a great way to lead if I haven't done it myself. And it was quite fulfilling to learn to lead that way and see what happens with employees and, and colleagues who felt valued and were able to tell the truth and safe enough to do that and see how they kind of ignited and stepped up. It's always fascinating to to hear how teams develop and you were developing within your team and then leading your team. What lessons did, um, or roadblocks, we can can take both (laughs) tacks, What, what came up through that path for you as you were growing within the organization and eventually leading it, what big things stand out 
that that worked really well that put you on that path? And what mm-hmm. things would you maybe have done differently? Yeah, being self-aware enough to always know when I had a reaction and not to come from that reaction. Because sometimes it's, it's easier to bark orders sometimes. Would you just do it? <laughs> and to learn not to do that and then also create a context or a purpose or a mission so helping people raise their sight line and me raising my sight line to help people step into that so then they can act from the purpose so it's a way to kind of produce results through others than doing it all yourself. Because lots of times we get promotions because we were good at the job we had before, but what we did well on the job we had before is not what's needed in the new job. So. It, it's a different sight line. There are different act, actions and activities you do. Um, so it's often people get into a position like that and try to work harder, 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 and more, 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 and that's where you burn out and don't have fulfillment. So it's really important to how do you learn to develop others, create strong enough relationships and communication so things can be aligned and not make yourself wrong for what they're doing. I had a client just yesterday talking about she's training this new person and he didn't answer a couple emails and she knew that, okay, what happened? Because he was so eager. Like what what was the roadblock? And then she found out he, he didn't know how to like classify. He was like getting overwhelmed. But if you look at it like, okay, everyone in your organization wants to be successful how do you enable that success and just your job is to remove roadblocks and help them develop themselves. That's so true. And, it, and it's fascinating to hear um, you talk about the different actions as you grow within the organization. A, a lot of entrepreneurs have a great skill set. That skill set could be front-end sales. Maybe they're just great exactly. at selling and a business develops or they're great at fulfill, the, the idea and the idea drives the business, or they're they're just really good at at fulfillment, and and clients come. But as they have to hire their first employee or their tenth employee, the the needs of the business change. And how can entrepreneurs better be positioned to take on their growing role as their organization role grows? And what tips can you give them in order to see it, in order to do it? Okay, that's good. Because it's one of the favorite places I love to work with people. Maybe they have three to four employees and they're really trying to get to the next level. Um, So lots of times if there's a mom and pop orientation, it's all dependent on the CEO or the founder. And that puts a lid on where the company, how big they can get because that CEO or founder can only do so much. So lots of times they've grown over time in the organization and they don't realize how effective they are or what gold they have inside of them. They think that this is just what everyone thinks like and it generally isn't. So having that's where coaching can come in handy. They really understand your value, hear what you're doing. This uh, one client I have who's she's a financial planner, but uh, she has this background in training in a whole nother field. And when she started to 
take on the training program and really start to own all the brilliance she had, but you have to get it out of her head and out of her so that other people can replicate it in their own style. But often people don't get that and they don't know how to do that and and kind of a structure of fulfillment and a training program to do that. Um, So that's, that's really important. And I often, you probably run into this too, where people have had a bad hire and then they go, well, that's not going to work. And they kind of give up or they try to be preventative. Okay, that didn't work. I don't want to do that. But they get constrained. They get more and more trying to prevent something bad from happening versus creating the future they want. How do they get there? The one thing I always talk about is an accomplishment is a well-met series of breakdowns. So a bad hire is just a breakdown. And okay, so what did we learn? What did we miss? How can we do this better? And that's what this um, one client I was saying, she put all that she learned and now they have like a a much more robust training program that she's really has her, um, she's in it, you know, versus too removed. Like sometimes people get too far removed, like they let it go too far hoping people will step up, set, step up, but they don't have an adequate way to help people do that. That's a really good point. And that, you know, sometimes you hire somebody and um, you see their flaws in every future hire. And then yeah. some, some <laughs> other times you right. um, entrepreneurs hire someone and over trust. That's a delicate balance between mm-hmm. Between those two, how do you help your clients in finding that balance between um, not being too um, too judgmental of their hires, but also not giving them too much free reign? It's it's kind of learning to take keep a pulse on what's happening. So it's a level of awareness, and as a CEO or the owner, you're holding the context of the business. So. You, if you're holding the context and you stay aware of what's going on and kind of keep your pulse on it without doing it, you'll notice when something gets off track. You'll notice when it starts to go off the rails and then you step in, restore the context, get it back going, and then you can step out again. I think that's what people have trouble learning how to do because it's not doing stuff. They'll go back to, oh, well, I guess I got to do it. And that's not that's not it. Like this client who helped this person sort their emails, that, that was useful. And then they're back on track. They, they could tell action was happening and emails were getting addressed again. So, but she noticed probably with the previous hire, she might have missed that because the person was just too independent. And then they have a breakdown, you know, nine months later, like, okay, she's not working very hard <laughs> like that. And, and breakdowns are not the end, right? No, never. They're the best thing, and mostly people resist their breakdowns and make them wrong versus you go into them. That's a perfect learning opportunity. And m- mostly people get upset, like, this shouldn't be this way, this shouldn't have happened. And actually it happened because there's a gap. And if you can just learn what the gap is, then you'll just be on your way. The, silly example I often give is my when I got 
my daughter was 14, and I got a call from Sears Theft Prevention. Okay, a parenting breakdown. <laughs> she was sitting in <laughs> yes. Sears Theft Prevention. So when we're a parent, we just don't go, ha, forget it, I'm done, she's toast, 14 years old, this isn't the future I was committed to, a theft, a felon, <laughs> whatever it is. But, you know, it's just a breakdown. And and so I took my time getting to the Sears Theft Prevention, and by the time I got there, she had had a lot of time to think, and I didn't have to say much of anything. But, you know, it's just a breakdown, and what do you learn from it? And we don't often treat it that way with our staff. It really, you don't give up. It's just, okay, what's missing? How can I put it in? And if you keep meeting the breakdowns, you will grow. You, That's such a powerful statement. Learning. Yeah. 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 It's, one, one of my good friends is a guy named David Corbin, and he wrote a book called Illuminate based on the concept that in many businesses, we try to eliminate the negative and, right. and make it go away. And, and his premise is if you illuminate the negative and everyone knows what it is and everyone's aware of it and it doesn't happen again. Same right. thing you're talking about here with your breakdowns and, and then building back up to future success. Exactly. Yeah. I had a coach who once, he was uh, at NASA and, um, you know, when Kennedy said, uh, put a man on the moon, it was a scientist who said, we can't do that. There's, there's no metal that can handle the reentry to the atmosphere. But you, you listen to the naysayers. That's a problem to be solved. And that's where titanium came from. So, so it, we often try to shut down the naysayers rather than, oh, no, they have good points. I love that. And uh, we're here with Carrie Walls on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast talking about um, the breakdowns that happen in our business and, and how we can learn from them and use them to our success. This a little bit of a left turn here, but I want to talk about breakdowns in the business and, and customer feedback a little bit. Okay. And when, when we get bad reviews, whether it's a, a client who fires us or whether it's a bad review online or whether it's, you know, someone who used to be singing your praises and recommending you all of a sudden says um, you shouldn't go to that person. It happens to all of our businesses many times through no real fault of our own. It's just mm -hmm. something got missed. How do you right. work through these breakdowns with your clients when something like that happens, when the feedback from a customer is wrong? How do you get people to react positively to it? Mm -hmm. Well, often people get stuck on the style it was delivered, which isn't often positive. <laughs> so there's always <laughs> a kernel of truth in the feedback. So I help people ignore the style, what's the kernel of truth, in the feedback, and also look for themselves. What do we miss? How, how do we get it off track? I'm working with a, another company who uh, one of the partners had, uh, the business person was yelling at them of the client, yelling, swearing. And so she called for coaching in between. And I set her up how to go back <laughs> to the fray and how to have the conversation and she created a breakthrough in the relationship by listening to what the concern was because people get louder when they aren't heard. 
so you actually want to hear what their concern is. And I'm not saying you always want to get abused, but you want to just kind of, sometimes when people are upset, put the style aside and listen for what's their concern and how do you address that concern. So, And they saved a, probably a $2 million customer doing that. So it matters, and there are so also were some things that got missed in how they price and on their end. So there's always something to learn, but generally we get stuck and we blame the other person for being inappropriate or putting that. That way we stick, get stuck in an upset about how they shouldn't be saying that. But they did, so the quicker you just accept reality and accept what's so – and you'll, you'll really develop a kind of a culture of continuous self-improvement doing that. So that's interesting, the, the culture of continuous self-improvement. When, when hiring a new employee, is, is there something you can look for or there's something you coach your clients to look for in new employees to, to find out if that's part of the employee's DNA and fits mm-hmm. in that culture? Yeah. Well, I would, I would say it's a continuous learning orientation. Like, you know, if you're a learner, you really like to learn and you're curious and you are open to feedback and coaching, um, I would look for that. And the more I think it's really essential to have the values of the organization in writing because you want a fit value-wise, because as an owner, you're kind of creating a playing field and a game with the rules. You want to see if that fits with that person or not. I like that. I like that. Adam Kipnis here with Carrie Walls on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. As always, powertexting.com gives away a free hotel stay to one lucky listener of every episode. And if you want to enter to win that hotel trip. There's 17 locations, five-star resorts around the world, most in the U.S. and Mexico. Go to podcasttrip.com and enter to win. And Carrie, I want to now shift a little bit to more specifics of what you do. You've done a great job in some of the lessons and some of the, the bigger picture items that, that, you, that you help clients with overall. Mm-hmm. But more specifically, you... Uh, in your tagline that you sent me, it says that you want to increase success and fulfillment in business and career for your clients. And obviously, when people hire coaches like you, they want more success, probably more money. That may take the, the form of fixing what's broken, whether it's employee issues or, or they're getting stuck. But, but success is a big part of that. But fulfillment is the word that jumps out to me because Success without fulfillment is useless. Fulfillment without monetary success can be the greatest career and the greatest business ever. What, fo- what focuses you on fulfillment, and how do you work with your clients on that? Well, it's often the thing that has them pick up the phone and find a coach is the lack of fulfillment. Um, And so I think there's always an emphasis in our culture on success. I mean, most companies are focused on their own viability. They don't necessarily focus on their employees' fulfillment and vitality. The more you do focus on employees' fulfillment and vitality, the 
the more the results happen in the business because the employees step up. So it, they feed each other. They're not separate. If you are focused totally on fulfillment without success, it's kind of pie in the sky California being, not to insult Californians, but <laughs> you've you got to have it grounded in reality and the results of the business. But focusing there is a, it really helps the business. And that's what people don't often understand because the more fulfilled the owner is, the more fulfilled everyone's going to be because we all, always know when mom or dad ain't happy, <laughs> right? Or right. overwhelmed or, you know, they snap at people. And that's the kind of stuff you take home at night, keeps you up. Um, then you turn around and snap at someone in your family. So it, it really matters. And often people and their fulfillment is an afterthought in business, and it needs to be integrated into the business because it's key to success and development and employee loyalty and retention. And when you talk about the um, fulfillment in the business, and they say that people join companies, and, but people leave managers. And uh-huh. in, in the small business world, and I'm even talking about businesses up to 50 or 100 people, the people maybe feed off the, the leadership or the leader more than they do off the original company that they joined. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you've seen in companies that you've worked with where you've had to work with the, the leader first in order to get their fulfillment to then drive the employees back to where those employees were when they you know, first joined and were super excited about the company? Mm-hmm. Well, it all flows, as I'm sure you see it this way too, it flows from the top. So the fulfillment of the executive, everyone shows up inside of that space. So it's really important to pay attention to that. Um, and then they're more patient and have more generosity with people and more reserves. Often people get kind of burnt out or because the business grows, they end up doing a job that they don't really like. I just started with somebody who has a outdoor-oriented company that he was, because he's an outdoorsman, but now he's sitting behind a computer all the time running it and is not fulfilled. So, And then he procrastinates, and then it's going to start affecting the success of the company. So how to address that, how to get him doing what he does best and still have the company be successful is, is key. Did that answer the question? No, no, it, it, it definitely did because that, that, that top-down, it, it's, it's easy to say, but, it, but it's harder to live, but I think you painted a really good picture of, of how that flow really can happen. And, and you mentioned that you'd worked with a financial planner and you worked with an outdoor company and you worked with a firm that had a $2 million client. So you've got a very varied um, history of clients or, or people right. that you work with. And um, how, did, how, did, how did that come about that you have a varied client base? Because I'm sure there are huge commonalities in the people that hire you, even though their industry or their business isn't the same for every, every client that you have. Right. Well, they have some sort of mission. They want to contribute somehow. 
to people. Like this financial planner really is committed to serving the middle class. She doesn't, you know, lots of times in financial planning, they want the high net worth because that's where they make money. But she's really committed to serving the middle class. Um, lots, I, I work with a lot of partnerships uh, where we often go into partnerships that are, we, we skip over the premarital counseling. <laughs> like what does each person want out of the partnership? What does... Um, you know, are they willing to hold each other accountable? Are they willing to be held accountable? What happens when we hit communication challenges? So I'm often called in when that's not going well and how to get it back aligned. So it's it's that or when they're trying to grow, like get out of that mom and pop orientation. So there's a lot of commonality. Doesn't The industry isn't as important as people valuing people, wanting to grow, and having communication and relationship be more the foundation of the business because the stronger the relationships are, the more you can accomplish together. Like if somebody asks you for $1 on the street, you don't need much relationship to give that to them or not, but if somebody asks you for $10,000, you'd have to have a strong relationship to to do that. So the stronger the relationships, the more you can get done together. It's easy to coordinate action. Nothing gets accomplished in business without people working together, communicating, coordinating action. So that's the foundation, and that's in all industries and all businesses. Yes, and partnerships are you and your client. Partnerships are you and your vendors. Partnerships right. are you and your, exactly. your, you know, your business partner, your um, co-owner. Let me ask you this about coaching and partnerships, because um, I've run into this, and I'm sure there are individuals in a partnership listening where maybe one individual is ready to bring on a third party as a coach to come in to help, but the other partner doesn't see it, doesn't want to spend the money, doesn't mm -hmm. understand the value, what, right. what have you. How can you help those listeners out there that maybe are a step ahead or a step to the side of their right. business partner to help get them on the same page? Good question. I, I always hold business coaching as an investment in a return. So there's a way to talk about it like this is our investment and this is the return we're going to get and being a promise for that. So it's making a business case for it um, to the partner and the and also creating a relationship with the partner. Like they may be threatened or maybe there's a one-on-one -on -one interview with that partner to get a better sense of what their concern is, that they have their heels dug in for some reason. But people don't do what they don't want to do. So you're not going to convince somebody to do what they don't want to do, but you have to find what is important to them and connect it up with coaching so that they see, oh, that'll help, then, then they'll go. Because we do buy what we want to buy when we want to buy it. That's just kind of human nature. But it's because it's something we want. That's, that's really interesting to, an interesting point because I, I always find in partnerships that the no always wins. And if there's two people, one says yes, one says no, the, the no typically wins. 
And if people buy what they want to buy when they want to buy it, how does that differ from people don't buy when they don't want to buy because they don't want to buy it? <laughs> well, because they don't see the purpose of it for them based on what they want. So it's, it's around expanding what the purpose and the value is. And I do think there's coaching can have a kind of a bad reputation out there these days. I think there's a, a lot of coaches who may not be producing value. on, um, And so you've got to get past how the person's hearing it. Like what is coaching? How will it help? They, they may not even know that. So it's always really important to listen to the person so you get what's important to them, what are they trying to accomplish, and not fit them into some formula you have, but create a strong enough relationship so they feel heard. It relates back to the thing we were just saying about naysayers. That person with a no, I mean, they have valid points. What, how do you address those concerns? So true, so true. And, and, and you mentioned, and we talked a little bit before the show, on the, pro, the proliferation of coaching in the marketplace today. And it, it's become mm-hmm. a big buzzword, whether it's health, health coach or relationship coach. Or, right. Um, you know, Ten years ago, there were personal trainers. Now there's health coaches, right? And so, so the coaching term has taken on a life of its own, but the act of coaching is no different today than it was 20, 30, 50 years ago, whether it's a, a, a business owner coaching an employee or quote-unquote managing an employee or hiring a third party to come in and help dig into what some of the business issues are. Right. While we, we as coaches catch the wave of the, the coaching um, Epidemic is probably not the right term that I want to use. <laughs> we, we catch the wave of the, of the coaching euphoria, but we also get caught up in, in people have bought programs. They've been to events, and they thought they were getting a step-by-step system to change their lives, and it didn't work because there was no relationship with it, and there was no relationship to the subject matter. How do you overcome that in your own business? Well, I produce value with people, and I'm I, I'm clear about what they're wanting, and I'm clear about that I can help them. I don't go into maybe initial meet and greet or an, a, you know a complimentary call assuming I can help that person. I have to hear about their individual business, their individual situation, and I don't know. I my experience is about 45 minutes in it. It kind of goes, oh, I get it. I see how I can help you. But I don't assume I can. I have to see I can. And I have to see, are they coachable? Cause, so there might be something they want, and I might challenge them or point something out, and I'll see how they respond because it, it's like Weight Watchers or something. They can sign up for Weight Watchers, but if they don't follow the program, that's not going to help either. I, I can't promise results unless – we're together working on this project together. Yes, and I love that, that. I mean, you brought it to our profession of coaching, but, it, but it's true in every other business is that understanding the need of the client is, I think, something missing in a lot of business owners' um, success in, in closing new clients, whether yes. you're selling a car or you're selling insurance or you're selling coaching or 
you own a hardware store or you own a, a food franchise and a lot of people lead with their product and then yeah. explain why it's right for people rather right. than understanding why it's right. How can you and how can the listeners better learn what is right for their client rather than leading with their product? Well, they have to listen more than they talk. <laughs> like you have to understand the person. And I, 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 you know, there are certain professions that really focus on pitching. And I usually help clients, okay, back up. You can't pitch unless you know more data. What are you pitching? To what? <laughs> so it's just important to understand the client, their industry, what they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish, and then they feel heard. None of us like to be pitched to. Nobody likes to be sold to. We feel manipulated, coerced. But if a, an offer and hope is offered or a solution to an actual problem they have, then they're interested. But not if it doesn't fit them personally. You know, people often have salespeople often have their categories they're going to talk about. I remember one time at Nordstrom, I was really in a hurry, had to get something for an event that night, and the salesperson, and they're usually pretty good, but she started telling me the history of the artist. Like, I didn't care. I just needed something <laughs> to finish this outfit so I'd look okay. You know, but we don't, we're not always picking up where somebody is. So we may have an intent, and what impact is it having over there? But our attention is often on our own sales or too much on ourselves and not on the client. So it's learning to shift that. And, and you're talking about a lot of psychographic qualities of people versus just the outward industry that they're in or the role that they play. Um, and so I assume that's helped you in finding clients that are right for you and your business is really understanding the psych, the psycho part, the, the, the <laughs> psychology of your perfect client versus right. just, I can help everybody. Yeah, I have both. A, I have a master's in counseling psych and a lot of understanding of human nature combined with a lot of business experience. I read an article once that says coaches often business coaches or executive coaches are one or the other, like they tend to be more psychological or more business. And I feel like I have a pretty strong blend of both. And I think both are needed <laughs> because, it, it, like I said, people are what working together is what produces results. And you know if, if it's not a line, people drag their feet, they work against each other, you have silos and competition and fragmentation, that all impacts business results. And sometimes we pretend it doesn't. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I, I love that. I think as, as we wrap up here, I think that's a really important point is just, just really to hammer home the, the two big things, just the, the the understanding of the relationship and, and the partnership with all the people that you work with and, and the drive toward fulfillment. But one last question that I have for you before we end is, you know, people who are listening, they're going to take a few nuggets that, that we talk about and they implement in their business. But what's one thing where people, if they're like, if they're saying, Carrie, I, I get what you're saying, I hear you, 
but I, I just don't know how to do that. Obviously, mm -hmm. they can call you, and, and we encourage them to, to reach out, but you know, what can they do today to, to take that first step forward in order to implement some of the things that you're talking about? I would say be curious. Listen from curiosity. Be curious about other people, what motivates different employees, what motivates a customer, what's important to them. So really listen from curiosity and listen for what concerns they have. We're always listening for something, and we don't notice that we are. <laughs> but if you're listening for, how do I sell this, that's going to get a different response than listening for, how can I help? How can I help them? That will make a huge difference. I've had relationships turn around when people shift their listening. And it's, you know, people are always in a dance step with each other. So one person changes their dance step, the other person has to adjust. We often try to point our finger and change the other person. never works. Where we have power is ourselves and our own actions and our own behaviors. So experiment with that, and you might find a different response in whatever you're trying to change. That's a great way to end this, this episode. I appreciate the, the information you gave and just the way you talked through um, just the thinking about business and thinking about how to take the next step in your business. Carrie, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate the conversation. It was fun. Loved it. And thanks, everyone, for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. Definitely, um, please leave a review um, of the show, what you thought of it. Um, that always obviously helps us get better, get better guests, and, and get better conversation. You can also follow me on Instagram at, at Adam Kipnis. Thanks again, and I will talk to you on You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>